Matthew chapter 13. I will begin the reading at verse 24 and read through verse 43. Matthew 13 at verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them, that both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make its nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And the disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the, of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So far, the reading of God's holy word. We now join in singing together. Uh, from Psalm 145, the stanzas 1, uh, 4, and 5. The text for this morning you will find in the passage which was read in Matthew chapter 13, the verses 36 to 43. The parable of the weeds explained. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. 
He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ. The text for this morning is another parable of the kingdom. And now a parable, remember, conveys a message that is not immediately obvious on the surface. There is something in the story told that is hidden. In other words, the real point of the story is not immediately noted or noticed by the one who hears it. But the parable, because of its storyline, holds the attention of the listener. And the parable wants to force the listener to react. The listener must come to the point that he asks the question, what does this story mean? What does this story say to me? Jesus, remember, began to speak in parables in response to a very sad and serious situation. The people... The multitude who had heard the preaching of Jesus and had seen the signs which he performed, the multitudes refused to commit their ways to the Lord. Ah, yes, they refused to open their hearts to the Lord. They refused to accept, to accept the word of the Lord become flesh in Jesus Christ. Oh yes, Jesus had faithfully preached the good news to them. He had proclaimed to the multitudes the gospel of the kingdom. And he had spoken with authority in a way no one did or had done in his day. And they knew it. As a matter of fact, they had borne witness He, Jesus, he teaches as one who has authority and not as the scribes. When the results were then so very meager and the disciples were utterly baffled, see, then Jesus told the parable of the sower. In that parable, by means of that parable, Jesus unveiled to them, to his disciples, a secret of the kingdom of heaven. This secret, the kingdom does indeed come 
through the seed. That is, it comes through the word of God that is proclaimed, that is broadcast. And that seed, the word of God, it always is the power of God unto salvation. That fact, that characteristic of the seed, if you will, that never changes. The word of God is always the power of God unto salvation. It always has that life-giving authority, that life-giving quality, no matter what or where it is sown. But, about whether it is able to come to fruit-bearing, see, that depends also upon the soil. Jesus then explained that there are at least four types of soil, four kinds of hearts, you understand, into which the seed falls. There are those whose hearts are hard as stone. They refuse the word of God outright. Then there are those who do receive the word. I ask, they receive it with joy, says Jesus. But there is no depth with them. They are superficial Christians. When persecution comes, they deny, they reject the faith. There are in the third place those who do hear the word of God, but they refuse to commit themselves wholeheartedly to it. They would like to serve both God and mammon. And so the word of God gets choked off. It gets killed in their life. It bears no fruit. And finally, there are those who genuinely hear the word. Ah yes, it takes hold of them and they, they grasp hold of it. And they do it. The gospel of the kingdom claims their whole being. Oh no, nothing can kill that word. It bears fruit in their life up to a hundredfold, said Jesus. Well now, that was in short the pearl of the, of the sower to which we listened, I think, about three months ago. That parable, however, does not stand alone. There is a second parable which belongs with the parable of the sower. That parable is known as the parable of the weeds or the parable of the wheat and the weeds. You could also call it the parable of the harvest. Because you see, in this parable, Jesus is really continuing the story about the sower. Before we look at that parable, however, there is something else I must call your attention to. As you well know, when you look around, you see a lot of evil in the world, right? And you know also that a lot of people wonder about that. 
people ask, people of the church especially, people ask, why doesn't God do something about that evil? Why doesn't he simply put a stop to it? Why doesn't he destroy that evil? Maybe you've asked that question yourself. It's a very human question. James and John once raised a very similar question. It happened when Jesus and his disciples were passing through a village of the Samaritans on their way to Jerusalem. The people of that village did not receive Jesus, we are told, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. James and John, seeing that, were very much disturbed. So they turned to Jesus and asked him, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? That's the way you take care of such evil, they thought. But Jesus turned to them and rebuked them. The sons of thunder, as they were called, were too quick, too impatient. You see, also among the Samaritans, some seed had fallen into good soil. That seed should not be, it must not be uprooted. It had to come to maturity. Yes, it had to come to fruit-bearing. But the disciples had no eye for that as yet. They still had many things to learn about the kingdom of heaven. One of the things they simply could not and did not understand was this. Why was it taking so long for Christ's kingdom to be established? If people refused to believe, they thought, if people refused to accept Christ's word, then why did he not simply establish his kingdom with might? Surely he could do that, couldn't he? Bid fire come down from heaven, Lord. Force the people to yield or wipe them out. Hadn't John the baptizer said as much. John, remember, had preached, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Ah, yes, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So John had preached, and I think Jesus' disciples liked that. That sort of preaching excited them. But when they then looked at Jesus, at his preaching, and at the result of his preaching, why then they just didn't get it. Oh no, 
that the spread of the kingdom by means of the preaching of the word would be a slow process and often a disappointing thing. See, that lesson Jesus taught his disciples and teaches us in the story of the parable of the sower. But that parable tells only half of the story. The fact is, you see, I ask, the fact is that there is another. There is an enemy. He also sows his seed. Oh yes, the enemy sows his seed right there where the good seed, the seed of the word, has already taken root. Right among the good plants, the wheat, there you will also find what is evil, the weeds. And God, see the Lord God Almighty permits it that the evil grows right there. He permits that evil to grow right in the midst of his kingdom. What does that mean? What is Jesus saying? What secret of the kingdom is he revealing to us in this parable? After that rather lengthy introduction, I'm going to now speak on weeds among the wheat. We will see that Christ answers three questions as follows. Where those weeds come from, what is to be done with the weeds, and what their end is. The story Jesus told is a very simple story. A farmer said Jesus sowed some good seed in his field. But that farmer had an enemy, an obviously evil man. While everyone was asleep, this enemy did his dirty work. He sowed weeds among the farmer's wheat. To this day, apparently, you can read stories that tell of such things happening in Palestine. A man's enemies will sabotage his efforts at farming by going out at night and sow weeds among the farmer's wheat. Talk about expressing intense hatred. Well, now. The particular weed Jesus talks about, also called the tare, is a weed not so easily recognized. In its early growing stage, it looks very much like the wheat. As you may know, we have wild oats that looks very much like the real thing. Only when that stuff begins to head, when the seed begins to form in the ear, only then does it become obvious that there is a major problem. So it happened, said Jesus, when the plants came up 
and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. In other words, when the grain began, began to head, there was discovered that there were weeds, tares, in the field also. And not just a few. The whole field was covered with them. Imagine that. You thought that you had a nice field of wheat. And then you discover that much of it is only weeds, tares. Well, the farmer's servants want to get right out there. They want to pull out those weeds, clean the field. But the farmer says, no. No, you cannot do that, he says. Why not? Well, those weeds, the tares, have wide-spreading roots. If you were to go out there to pull out those weeds, you would be pulling out the wheat as well. No, just let them grow together. Until the harvest said the farmer. Then, when the harvest time arrives, then I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. And once they have done that, then I will tell them that they must gather the wheat into my barns. That was a story. A simple story, you will agree. A story every listener could understand as story. But what did it mean? What was the point of it? Notice the people hearing it again raised no questions. Did they really think that they understood what Jesus had told? The disciples, however, sensed that here too there was more than just a story. That is why they asked Jesus to explain what he had said. And so he did. The one who sows the good seed, said Jesus is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Did you notice? See, now the good seed is not the word of God, as it was in the parable of the sower. You could say, Jesus is looking further ahead now. He, the Son of Man, he had indeed been sowing the Word of God, the seed of the Word. And some of that seed had indeed fallen into good soil. Soil wherein it germinated and had grown and had come to fruit bearing. I ask, it had given birth to sons and daughters of the kingdom. That, you understand, 
Oh yes, that is the fruit of the good soil. Sons and daughters of the kingdom. Now it is true, Jesus doesn't explain all of those steps here. He simply starts at the end of the process. Those born to new life through the word that was preached, the living seed, they are now the sons of the kingdom. And more important for understanding a parable, they are now the good seed, said Jesus. Remember how the Apostle Paul later would say to the church at Corinth, You, you are a letter from Christ. That's it, you see. Those in whom the seed of the word bears fruit, they in turn become living seed in the kingdom. Think of it. Throughout the world, there are sons and daughters of the kingdom. They are there as a result, as a fruit of the preaching of the word. So that, you see, that is the question that comes to each one of us here and now. Is that true of us? Is that true of you? Are you, am I, living seed? Well, That is indeed an important point to remember here. There is not the main point of the parable. Jesus only explains that point in order to get to the rest of the parable. Because, you see, Jesus wants his people to know that not only he, the Son of Man, but that also his enemy, the devil, is out there sowing seed. See, that is why there are are not only sons of the kingdom in this world. There are also the sons of the evil one living in this world. The reality of that brings us back to the book of Genesis. After the fall into sin, remember, God had said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring, your seed, and her offspring, her seed. Well, now, the words your offspring or your seed, which you understand are addressed to the serpent here, see, those words are a reference to all the spiritual descendants of the serpent. They are a reference to all who, like Satan, continue in their rebellion against the Lord God. And the words, her offspring or her seed, see, they are a reference to all the spiritual descendants of the woman who, like her, are children of the Lord's kingdom. Well now, in the parable of the weeds among the wheat, Jesus pictures 
the sons of the evil one as the weeds, as the tares. And he says that they were sown by the devil. When you think about it for just a moment, you see what is Jesus wants to get at. This, the devil also has his seed. That is, he has his sons and daughters, his followers. Remember well, the enemy has his people who do his bidding. They are bearers of his word. Oh, yes, they are proclaimers of his message to and for the world. That's the thing. The disciples of Jesus, we may never forget. Right inside the kingdom, throughout the whole world, there are weeds among the wheat. Sons of the devil will not only mix in with, but they will also, and for a long time, be identified as sons of the kingdom of the Lord. In other words, there will be deceivers, there will be hypocrites within the church and within the, within the kingdom at large. But for a long time, they will not be identifiable as such. Oh yes, and so it has always been. From the very beginning, Satan has been busy planting his followers among the sons of the kingdom. The kingdom of our Lord. In Adam's household, there was a Cain. In Abram's household, there was an Ishmael. In Isaac's household, there was an Esau. And so it, has, so it was throughout the history of Israel. There was a David, but also a Saul. There were the prophets of the Lord, but there were also the prophets of Baal, that is, prophets of the evil one. And in the New Testament, it is no different. A Judas mixes in with the disciples of Jesus. And Jude warns against the perverters of the grace of God in the church. Many such people join with, walk with the sons of the kingdom for a long time. And nobody really notices them because outwardly they cannot be so easily distinguished. They are just like the weeds, the tares in the farmer's field. For a long time, they look just like the wheat. But the fact is, they are not born of the true seed. You could also say, they were not sown by the Son of Man. Instead, they were planted, placed there within the kingdom by the devil. And 
He put them there in order through them to deceive and to betray. In order, if possible, to destroy, to choke off, to kill off the sons of the kingdom. Oh no, no one in the church can find that a pleasant thought. No one of the church can or will delight in that reality. But neither may we close our eyes to that reality. Christ taught his disciples and through them he teaches us that the evil one is always and ever busy sowing weeds, tares, among the wheat. In the church and in the kingdom, the Judases are still with us. And perverters of the grace of God reappear in every age. They transgress the commandments of the Lord. They are idolaters and adulterers and thieves. They twist the truth and tell the lie and create sect and mutiny in the church. They never tire of asking, did God actually say? They have learned from their father the devil so to hide, so to cover up their evils that others do not notice. They hold to a form of religion, but deny the power thereof. They tear down, wherever possible, advances made by those who, in obedience to Christ, seek the kingdom of the Lord and its righteousness. But, but if that is so, is there nothing that the sons of the kingdom can do? Must the sons of the evil one be given free reign? Must the weeds, the tares, be permitted to grow unhindered? Well, now, that, you see, is the concern of the second question. What is to be done with the weeds? Oh, that was a problem that bothered the disciples to no end. Like the servants of the farmer in the parable, the disciples wanted to get right out there and pull up and throw out those weeds, that is, the hypocrites in the kingdom. They wanted them out, out of the church, out of the kingdom. Their solution was again, bid fire come down from heaven, Lord. But the farmer says, Jesus, the farmer said, no, no way, let both grow together, he said, until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will instruct the reapers what to do. Did you hear? Let both grow together. Said the farmer, 
Why? What did he mean? More importantly, what was, what is Jesus saying to his disciples, to his church, to us, with this word? Is Jesus saying here that church discipline is, after all, not to be exercised? Is he saying that people who are godless or that people who lead offensive lives or that people who openly <coughs> deny the word of God, is he saying that any and all such people should be tolerated in the church? Surely not. Oh yes, there have been people who so interpret this parable. But such an interpretation is clearly at odds with the teaching of Scripture. For example, the Apostle Paul admonished the church at Corinth for failing to discipline the incestuous man in its midst. And Paul said to Titus that a, per, a person who stirs up division in the church must be denied membership in the church after you have warned him once and then twice. Such a person, says the apostle, is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned, so there can be no doubt about it. The church of Jesus Christ must exercise discipline. But why then have some said that in this parable, Christ teaches differently? Well, in the first place, people confuse church and kingdom. The parable of the weeds, among the wheat, is a parable about the kingdom, not first of all about the church. Oh yes, it is true, the church is part of the kingdom. You could say it is the heart and core of the kingdom, but the church is not the same as the kingdom. In the second place, People draw a conclusion from the parable which Christ himself did not draw from it. In the parable itself, you will recall, Jesus mentions the servants who want to get out on that field to pull up the weeds. That fit well with the story. You could even say that part was needed so as to round out the story Jesus told. But we should not fail to notice that Jesus does not at all talk about that in his explanation of the parable to the disciples. The reason for that is this. The sons of the evil one of whom Jesus speaks in this parable are not so easily recognized. Remember, Jesus is not talking about people who openly lead offensive lives here. In this parable, Jesus is not talking about people who openly break down the church of Jesus Christ. Or oh, it's possible, of course, that the people of whom Jesus speaks show some liberal tendencies but it is just as likely that they present themselves as ultra-conservatives. After all, Jesus is talking about 
tares. That is, he is talking about weeds that look just like the wheat. In other words, he is talking about people who outwardly appear to be Christians. Oh yes, they talk very piously, but inwardly they are corrupt. He's talking about wolves in sheep's clothing. In other words, he is talking about people who are not so easily recognized for who or what they really are. Well, now, that means that they, the hypocrites, will have to be tolerated. Jesus says, in effect, look, you will always have the hypocrites with you in the church and in the kingdom. You've got to leave them alone. You can't uproot them because they appear so much like the sons of the kingdom. They have their roots tangled with those of the sons of the kingdom. With that, I move on to the last point. What their end that is, what the end of the weeds is. You see, it is a fact. The weeds are not the sons of the kingdom. Oh yes, they may indeed succeed in fooling you for a while. But there is a harvest time coming. And the farmer, said Jesus, the farmer who knows the condition of his field very well, much better than his servants, the farmer will, at the harvest time, send out his servants with the instruction that they gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. Well, now, that farmer is a picture, that is, he represents the Son of Man, remember? So Jesus explains, the Son of Man, he says, who knows the condition of his field, of his church and kingdom very well, much better than his servants understand it. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. You understand? What Jesus is saying here is this. The sons of the evil one will surely be found out. They will be shown up for who and what they really are, their pious posturing notwithstanding, and they will weep and gnash their teeth. That you understand? That is the Bible's way of saying that they will recognize the justness of the final judgment. Oh yes, 
They knew it all along. They knew that they were weeds, tares, hypocrites. And they knew that they wanted to be that. They knew that they delighted in being that. About the righteous. See, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The righteous, that is, the sons and daughters of the kingdom. You understand? The people who struggled to be faithful doers of the word. The people who bore fruit in spite of their weaknesses and shortcomings. The people who suffered at the hands of the sons of the evil one. The hypocrites who oppressed them. Yes, those righteous will forever shine like the sun. They will forever share in the joy of their Lord. They are blessed forever. He who has ears, let him hear. Praise the Lord. Amen. We join now in singing together hymn 46. Christ shall have dominion over land and sea. Earth's remotest regions shall his kingdom be. We're going to sing the four stanzas of hymn 46. Oh. 